0: Hey, welcome, everyone. I love you guys. I thank God for you. Hey, if you're with us for the first time, man, we are delighted to have you, and I thank God for you. I'm so kind of jazzed up and excited living in the afterglow of last weekend. I mean, a year ago on Easter, we had no one in public worship, and last weekend for our Easter celebrations, we had 1,800 people present. To celebrate the risen Jesus and another 750 watching online. Oh my gosh, we had 26 people at the Beloit campus joined with Jesus in baptism and another seven baptized in our Latino congregation. It was awesome. And the excitement for Deb and I just continued into the afternoon when we got to be with our grandbabies. Let me show you. A picture. Uh, this is Wilkie's two girls, uh, Wilkie and Marissa. Their oldest daughter, Bella. <laughs> the tooth fairy has made a visit to her. Their youngest daughter, uh, Willow. This makes me want to hug her right now. And this is Jake and Miriam's son, uh, David. Man, the delight of our lives. And there's more good news for the Clark family because, yeah, David, he's getting a little sibling, Miriam and Jake. Miriam is pregnant. And so the Clark family is all excited. Now, um, I I don't know uh, the future for my grandchildren. I don't know if they're going to grow up to be presidents, pastors, or professional athletes. But I know this, in their future, they will suffer devastating, heartbreaking disappointment. That's, That's life. I mean, it's not all of life. But sooner or later, we are all just decimated by disappointment. Maybe it's a disappointing situation. Life hasn't turned out the way that you planned or expected. Maybe you've been disappointed by a person. Someone lied to you, betrayed you, rejected you, um, demeaned you, disrespected you, and, and the disappointment Disappointment hurts. Um, And so I want to talk to you today about our Jesus being greater than your disappointment, than any disappointment. In fact, for the next several weeks, this is going to be our focus. Jesus is greater, greater than our sin and shame, greater than our exhaustion, uh, greater than our hurts, greater than our hang-ups greater than our habits. In fact, next week, Gray will be uh, preaching for us and bringing the message, Jesus is greater than our fears. Jesus is greater. And in fact, I just want that to be your mantra Just try to do it 24-7 as you go through your day. Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater (laughs) under your breath. If you're in the car alone, in the shower, say it out loud. Jesus is greater. Say it with me now. Jesus is greater. One more time. Jesus is greater. One more time. Jesus is greater. Great things happen when we believe, when we know, when we anchor our souls to the truth that Jesus is greater. I love the way the author of Hebrews writes that the son, Jesus radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. He sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us, Of our sins, he sat down at the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son is far greater than just fill in the blank. Jesus is greater than anything. Jesus is greater than anyone. Jesus is greater than any disappointment. Mine or yours. You know, I'm I'm kind of okay with... The disappointment of the day, it happens maybe every day and I can get it, get over it, uh, get on with life. But there have been times in my life, uh, dark, lengthy seasons when that pain of disappointment just went on for months. And I'll I'll be real with you. I, I, I would just get to the point where I'd had it and I would let God have it. I was lucky I didn't get struck by lightning but 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 sometimes disappointment can be dogged, just gets us in its stranglehold and won't let us go. Um, maybe there are single people who um pray and trust God and wait for that special relationship and it just hasn't happened yet, and, and that's disappointing. Or, or a married couple who want children, but it's like one miscarriage after another, and that's disappointing. B- but our disappointment goes dark when we let those day-to-day or those lengthy disappointments morph into disappointment in God. It's so easy. When people don't live up to our expectations, when, when, when situations aren't what we had hoped or planned, it's easy for our disappointment to turn to disappointment in God. Um, disappointment, it provokes in us troubling questions about God. God, are you there? God, if you're there, why did you let this happen? This isn't right. This isn't fair. God, do you, do you even care? It's one of the reasons that I love and have been greatly helped by the prayers of Asaph. In the Bible, Asaph was one of the writers of the Psalms. And when he prays, his prayers aren't sanitized or cleaned up or religious or tame. Man, he just Pukes out raw emotion. And he puts his questions about God out there. Let me take you into Psalm 77. Let's kind of step into Asaph's disappointment in God. The text reads, I cry to the Lord. I call and call and call to him. Oh, that he would listen. I am in deep trouble. I need his help. I need his help so much. I mean, all night long, I pray. And it's like for Asaph. Prayer's not working. And maybe it's that he doesn't know how to pray. Maybe he he doesn't know what to pray. We really don't know what his disappointment is. Uh, I mean, is it a health issue? Has he lost a, a loved one? Is his marriage a wreck or his finances a wreck? Has he been rejected? Has he been betrayed by a friend? All we know for sure, right from the start, he is deeply disappointed and prayer is not working. Look at the text. I can't sleep, God, until you comfort me. If you don't comfort me, I'm never getting to sleep. I'm just going to be filled with anxiety and bug-eyed all night until you come and give me peace. I can't sleep until you comfort me. I am too distressed even to pray. Have you been there? The disappointment's so devastating, so deep, uh, so painful. um, uh, You don't even know what to say to God. And sometimes when your disappointment morphs into disappointment in God, you, you don't even know if you want to talk to God anyway. And in Asaph his disappointment in God starts to morph into troubling questions about God. Look at the questions. He he, he says this, Has the Lord rejected me forever? Is it the problem in me? Am am I not good enough? Am I not worthy? Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again show me favor? Is his loving kindness gone forever? Has his promise failed as God? Has God become a promise breaker? Did God lie to me? I mean, people betray me? Has God betrayed me? Has He forgotten to be kind to one so undeserving? I understand uh, I don't deserve it. I understand uh, I'm not worth it, but He's always been kind before. Why not now? Has He slammed the door in anger on His love? Man, when disappointment hammers our hearts, it's a challenge to feel either loved by others, by God. It's a challenge to feel loved by ourselves. It's a challenge to feel loving. And here's what Asaph is discovering that I want us to learn. In prayer, excuse me, in pain, prayer is important, but it's not enough. In fact, I would say it's not the place to start. When disappointment happens, maybe it's good that we don't feel like praying or that we're incapable of praying because prayer is not the place to start. Um, you, you see, when we pray and when Asaph started his prayer, oh, God, I need help. Oh, God, I'm in trouble. Oh, God, this is a mess. Oh, God, help me. It's me, 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 I, I, I. It's more than Panic that he's shouting out, than prayer. I mean, when we say, help me, help me, help me, we become the center focus of our prayers instead of God. Instead of trusting in faith that our God is greater than our disappointment, We, we just freak out. And here's the truth I want you to get, you can do faith, Or you can freak out, but you can't do both at the same time. If you find yourself saying, oh, God, I'm in trouble. Help me. This is a mess. I can't take this anymore. I can't do this. Your prayers are all about you. You want to flip that and make your prayers all about God. This was the turning point for Asaph. Look how he begins to pray. I will remember, say remember, this is huge, remember. I will remember, I will remember your great deeds, Lord. I will recall, say recall, I will call them on. I will recall, I will recall over and over again. I will recall the wonders you did in the past. I will think, say think, these all going to remember, recall, I will think, I will think about all you have done, I will meditate, I will remember, I will recall, I will think about, I will meditate on all your mighty acts. That's the difference maker when we're deeply disappointed. That's where we want to start, is putting the focus on God, remembering how good he is, recalling the great things he's done, thinking about in the past, how he's worked everything together for the good, meditating on his capacity and his faithfulness to make everything beautiful in its time. And and so here's uh, another tattoo to get uh, inked on your left thigh, Focus on how great your savior is before you focus on how grim your situation is. The sooner you get your thoughts, your meditation, Uh, your memory off the situation and onto the Savior, that's when things begin to change in your heart. Maybe not in the circumstance, maybe not in the situation, but on the inside of you where it's deeply important to get over deep disappointment. And so Asaph Asaph gives us a four-fold focus to fuel our faith In the Jesus who is greater. Focus number one, remember Jesus is greater. Don't let the problem or or the hurt or the pain loom so large you lose sight of Jesus. No, put your vision, your thoughts, your memories on the greatness of Jesus and let Jesus loom larger than your problems. Focus number two, recall the greatness of his miracles. In fact, Jesus himself said, hey, if you don't believe in me, you got a problem with me. Just look at my miracles and believe them. Recall the miracles of Christ. Open your Bible. Read in the book of John. That would be great. And just analyze every supernatural, miraculous thing Jesus did. Focus number three. Think about his great work on the cross where he took your place as your substitute. He was made to be your sin that you might be made right with God. Everything bad about you was put on Him and everything good about Jesus. Focus on that, that everything good about Jesus has been put on you. All your ugly, evil imperfections on Him and all the beauty and glory of His perfection on you. That's where, that's where you want to focus because this is so huge, so miraculous, so unbelievable that if Jesus could die for our sins, if Jesus could pay Um, for our sins with his own life and his shed blood. There is nothing beyond the scope. His willingness has been made irrefutable to help us in our disappointment by his willingness to die in our place as our substitute on the cross. Focus number four, meditate on his incomparably great resurrection power. If Jesus had the power to come back from the dead, he's got the power to transform your deepest disappointment. He's got the power to heal the pain of disappointment. So we remember, we recall, we think about, we meditate on the goodness of Christ and the greatness of his resurrection power. Because we get to live, we benefit from his goodness, but we get to live in the incomparably great power of his resurrection. We get to love in it. We get to serve in it. And so we remember. And if we need to go to the Bible, that's what we got to do. I go to the Bible every day, not for a sermon, but for my soul. You need to go to the Bible every day for your soul. See what it says. Remember the goodness of Christ, recall his miraculous work. Think on his crucifixion and what it achieved in your behalf and meditate on the incomparably great power of his resurrection. Well, let me teach this by taking you into a story that Asaph Asaph knew by heart, God's people were beside themselves because God had promised them a land. I mean, a land beyond imagination. The Bible describes it as flowing with milk and honey. I mean, he said, you're going to get wells that you did not dig. You're going to get houses that you did not build. You're going to get orchards and vineyards that you did not plant. It's all going to be yours. And so when they get To the brink of their promised land, the only thing that separates them from entering their promised land is a flood. I mean, a huge flood. The Jordan River is at flood stage. It looks as much like an ocean. They can see the other side, but this this river has become a wild, wide, raging, white water rapid. I mean, moms are clinging to their children and and kids are clutching to their dads. They're like, oh God, did you bring this this far to watch us die and drown and be prevented from reaching what you promised? This isn't right. This isn't fair. This is crazy. This is impossible. Here's the story Asaph knew that I want to get burned in our souls today. The Jordan was at flood stage. Yet as soon as the priest, that was the situation, the people moved, the priest led, and as soon as the priest reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, watch this, the water from upstream, say upstream, that's the whole point of the whole story, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam. And so the people crossed over. And guess what? They didn't have to trudge through mud. The water that was stopped upstream and the water that went downstream, God made the ground hard, created a path for them to cross over, and they crossed over into their promised land. Again, the key understanding this is the word upstream the town Adam was 20 miles upstream they had a problem they were disappointed they were devastated it was an impossibility and yet 20 miles upstream God's doing a miracle the Lord is working all things together for the good upstream the Lord is making everything beautiful in its time upstream They couldn't see what he was doing. It was 20 miles upstream. They didn't know what he was doing. It was 20 miles upstream. They didn't know when he would get it done. It was 20 miles upstream. And the same is true of us. This is why we remember Jesus and recall his uh, miracles and, and, and think about his work on the cross in our behalf and uh, meditate on his resurrection because the truth is you can't see what Jesus is doing but he is right now actively at work to your good. You don't know how he's going to get it done but your Jesus is making everything beautiful in your life in its time. You don't know when this miracle is going to be unleashed in your life. I mean, he's doing it upstream. Upstream. It's going to flow your way. It's going to come your way. So that's where your faith focuses. That's why we remember and recall and think about and meditate on and believe that though I can't see it and though I don't know it, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, for he is at work upstream. Well, that was a story that Asaph knew by heart and could remember to help power him through, lift him up out of the pit of his disappointment. But you and I, we've got a different story. We've got another story. We've, we've got a better story. Here's our story. The setting is a hill that looks like a skull. And on the crown of the hill are three crosses Jesus is being executed on the center cross. On either side of him are criminals who are in agonizing, horrible, torturous execution. And maybe I should remind you that those criminals on either side of Jesus, that's us. The truth is... um, Jesus on the cross is sinless. He knew no sin. He did no sin. He is not a criminal. He is innocent of any wrongdoing. He is unjustly and unfairly dying for us. But the criminals on either side, they're getting what they deserved. They're getting the results of a lifetime of sin. One of them, one of the criminals curses Christ. And the other, the other gasps out. uh, uh, an unbelievable, astonishing request. Let me show you. He says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. In our disappointment, maybe they were disappointed that they got caught. Maybe they were disappointed that this was the consequence of their sin, but in their disappointment, one curses Christ and one cries out to Christ. And in our disappointment, we get to choose. Do we curse Christ? Or do we say, could I have that again, Shannon? Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I want you to pray this with me right now. Let this be our prayer. And and as and powerful in prayer, let's just pray it a, a few times. Would you please pray? Pray it with me because I want you to see what occurs in your life as God answers this prayer. Let's pray together with Jesus. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You're the king, Jesus. You got a kingdom. Remember me. Let's start again. Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom, I I, I gave you one prayer to pray. Jesus is greater. Here's another prayer you can pray every day. Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom, you're the king. Let your kingdom come. And so this innocent one, this Jesus on the center cross, as astonishing as was the request, more astonishing still, is how Jesus responded. He said, I assure you. He just, he just looks down the length of his arm on the cross by, beyond his nail-pierced wrist. He looks into the eyes of the thief, and he tells, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. And when that thief's eyes closed in death, And Jesus' eyes closed in death. They instantaneously met each other in paradise. That thief is me. Thief is you. We cry out to Jesus. And one final truth we learn is that the grace of Jesus is greater than all our sin. I mean, I've got a boatload. You've got a boatload, but his grace is greater than all our sin. Jesus is greater. Now, disappointments, I mean, you may be living in it right now, and if not, they're coming. So I would like to pray with you right now um, about something more significant than your disappointment, and that is your salvation, that you know, that you know, that you know, that when you die, As that thief died, you're going to meet Jesus in paradise. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, we cry out to you. We remember how good you are. We recall your work on the cross on our behalf by your loving sacrifice. We we think on, Lord, all the miracles you've done in history, in the Bible, and in our lives. And we meditate on the incomparably great power of your resurrection. I mean, the promise that you made to the thief and all the promises you made to us are made irrefutable by your victory over the grave. And so we say, Jesus, remember us when you come into your kingdom. Be king in our marriages. Be king in our monies. Be king in our emotions. Lord, be King of Central Christian Church. Lord, we thank you for your love, for your measurable mercy, for your superabounding grace, greater than all our sins. Jesus, you are greater. Jesus, you are greater. Jesus, you are greater. In your name we pray. Amen. I love you guys. I love Jesus, and together we'll keep our hearts set on Him, our King. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.